him, the sweeter that he grows, the more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my cup overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Praise God. Well, I'm glad tonight to be here with you for this Wednesday night Bible study. I'm looking forward to having church online and in the building Saturday night, 6.30 for prayer meeting, and also Sunday morning and night. Looking forward to a great time. This week we take a little bit of a break, giving our cleaners a chance to deep clean, and I'm sure they'll be doing some more before Sunday. We appreciate them so much. And you that are here with us tonight and those who are, majority of which are watching online, I hope that tonight God will touch our hearts and that we'll have something from the Lord. I'm going to ask everybody that will just for the next moment or two, why don't we just lift our voices to the Lord. God, I give you praise and glory. You are so great, God. You are so mighty. Father, without you, we can do nothing, but we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I pray your anointing upon the word. I pray your anointing upon my mind tonight and upon my speech. And I pray, God, your anointing upon the ears and the hearts of the hearers. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And somebody said, praise the Lord. Praise God. So for the next few moments, please help me out. And let's go to the book of John chapter 13 and verse 21. John 13 21. Praise God. Are you ready? All right. Let's go to the word of the Lord for a few moments. Won't be very long. Just for a few moments. John chapter 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me, then the disciples looked one on another and doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And I'm going to preach to you tonight on this subject, the journey. Praise God. Let's praise him one more time, everybody. Thank you, Lord. What a gracious and a wonderful God you are. We're thankful, God, for your mercy and your kindness and your grace. Hallelujah. Praise God. We certainly welcome everyone who's with us tonight across the country and around the world. This is a beautiful opportunity to share our faith, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name.
Amen. Now throw some amens. We have an on-site audience here tonight, so if uh, you hear an amen once in a while, you know it's them. But uh, the Living Bible tells us in John 13, it says it like this. Now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit and exclaimed, yes, it is true. One of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering, who could he mean? And John said, since I was sitting next to Jesus at the table, being his closest friend, Simon Peter motioned to me to ask him who it was who would do this terrible deed. So I, John, turned and asked him, Lord, who is it? He told me, it is the one I honor by giving the bread dipped in the sauce. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, the son of Iscariot. Now, my message tonight has nothing to do with Judas, so don't be uneasy. My message tonight has to do with John. And I'm going to talk about it just a little bit. Did you know that John is known worldwide as the apostle of love? How many already knew that? Sure, all you Bible scholars, you knew that. The Apostle John, as you know, penned much of the New Testament. He wrote the gospel according to John, as well as the first and second and third epistles of John. And he also was used of God to write the last book of the Bible, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you see, John wrote quite a bit of the New Testament, did he not? Interesting, someone noted that the book of John was penned, scholars say, most scholars say, 90 A.D. to 96 A.D. The day of Pentecost happened at 33 A.D. So using John 3.16 as the plan of salvation was not even an option in the early church. Although we love John 3.16, that was not the New Testament plan of salvation that was used. In the plan of salvation that was used in the book of Acts was Acts chapter 2, verse 38. John 3.16 wasn't even written until about 60 years after the founding of the church. So just thought I'd throw that in there for free for whatever it's worth. The apostle John then was a man who was greatly used of God, and he's called the apostle of love. The word love appears 57 times in the gospel, according to John, more often than in the other three gospels combined. Okay, so if you took the word love and counted how many times it was used, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in the book of John, it appears more often than in all the other three gospels combined. But here's the deal. John was not always the apostle of love. And I just thought I'd like to bring this on a Wednesday night to a teaching class. I'm reminded of the fact that John became the apostle of love along the journey. He did not start out as the apostle of love. Matter of fact, I'm going to share just one little incident from his life when he was a fairly new convert. In Mark chapter 3, verse 16, and Simon, he named Peter, talking about Jesus. 
He named Peter. Verse 17. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. When John started out his walk with God, he was not known as the apostle of love. He was known as one of the sons of thunder. John didn't start out where he ended. He was on a journey. See, John started out quick-tempered. He was easily made angry. You talk about a short fuse. James and John had short fuses. I was thinking about this, and I wrote this down. Speak when you are angry, and it will be the best speech you will ever forget. One thing I hate about social media, people can get angry and before they have a chance to process what they're doing, they're picking up their phone or they're picking up uh, their keyboard and they're typing something that they normally wouldn't say because here's what I want you to know. The greatest remedy for anger is delay. And so when, when somebody is incited at the moment and they start tapping on that keyboard, they're about to make the best speech they would like to forget. So it was with John and James. He didn't start out on the journey as the apostle of love by any means. I want to say one more thing before I leave this subject. A man is never in worse company than when he flies into a rage and is beside himself. That's the worst company he'll ever be in. So just kind of keep that in mind. So as time drew near, the Lord Jesus was headed for the cross. He came to this earth with a mission, and he was focused on his mission. And as time drew near uh, for the Lord Jesus to go to the cross and be buried, and rise again, and return to heaven, Jesus moved steadily toward Jerusalem with an iron will. He knew what his job was, and he was determined to accomplish it. So one day, when he was on his way to Jerusalem, he sent messengers to reserve rooms for them in a Samaritan village. And they were turned away. He's headed toward the cross. He's headed toward Jerusalem. He sends a couple of messengers to Samaria to get them a room, and they're turned away. The people of the village refused to have anything to do with them because they were headed for Jerusalem. And the Samaritans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. And because they were on their way to Jerusalem, they said, it's the second time in his life. There's no room in the inn. And here is something I'd like to share with you. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, <clears throat> Lord, Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? I'm showing you 
an earlier stage of John's walk with God. He says, would you like for us to call fire down from heaven and destroy those bad people that refuse to give you a room? But verse 55 of John 9 says, but he turned and rebuked them, not the Samaritans who refused the room. He rebuked James and John and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And the Bible says, and they went to another village. Yes, John, he started out, began his journey as a son of thunder. But somewhere along the journey, he became a different man. He was evolving into something that was different than what he started out to be. He started out as Boanerges, a son of thunder, but he was headed toward being the apostle of love. And it was a process. It was a journey. It didn't happen overnight. And when we're walking with God, there's a journey that we're on. It doesn't happen overnight. And John could write later, toward the end of his life, he wrote these words. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, and this is where I'm telling you, John learned, was speaking by experience. He said, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So John is speaking out of experience. He's saying, you know, I've been there. I know what that's all about. And this commandment, John went on to say, have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Here's a word I have for somebody under the sound of my voice tonight. It's okay to start out as Boanerges, but it's not okay to stay Boanerges. It's okay to start out as a son of thunder, but it's not okay to refuse to let the hand of God mold and shape us, and I don't speak this as though I have achieved. I'm telling you, I'm on the journey also. But on this journey, I want to let the, to let the hand of God shape and mold me into that vessel that God wants me to be. And you know, nobody can say, well, this is the way I was when God found me, so this is the way I'm going to be when the Lord comes back. You may be in for a big shock if you're in the same position you were in when the Lord calls you, when the Lord comes. There is a journey that we have to be on, and, and this journey means letting the power of the Holy Ghost help us to change from the old person that we were into a new creature in Christ Jesus. Did you know the Apostle Paul warned us to allow the power of God to change us along the journey? It's found in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, where he warns, having a form of godliness having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, 
from such turn away. He said there would be in the last day people who would have a form of godliness, but they wouldn't let the power of God change them. You see, the power of God does not automatically change anybody. It has to change us with our permission. I have to want God to change me. I have to be willing to allow God to change me. And I have to be willing to invest my effort into changing. I don't want to be the same person today that I was 20 years ago. I don't want to be the same person tomorrow that I was today. I want God's hand to to change me and shape me and mold me. It's a journey. And I'm thankful that God has placed you and I on this journey John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace. Did you know it's the most performed, most sung hymn in the English language? Of all the gospel hymns, Amazing Grace is sung the most. And this song has, the, has endured the test of time. It's been sung down through the ages. The lyrics were written by John Newton in 1772. But I was surprised I didn't remember this part. It was another 60 years before the lyrics were wed to the melody that we still sing today. How about that? I didn't realize that. And did you also know that it is the most recorded song in history? Amazing Grace. The melody of Amazing Grace, Brother Lauren, who's a musician, would know what I'm talking about, is built on the pentatonic scale. It's a five-note scale. And the original Amazing Grace only had five notes that were employed. I don't know if this is turned on or not, and if the camera's following me so you can still see me. I'm going to use five notes only. Just using the black keys on the keyboard, five of them, the whole song is so simple in its melody. And yet people have hummed it, sang it, played it, and found blessed strength from it. People going through the darkest times of their lives, the slaves before the Emancipation Proclamation, it was one of their favorite hymns. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Newton wasn't always, however, a spiritual leader, as most of you know. He wasn't always a Christian. He was born in 1725, and he was the only child of a sea captain and a church-going woman. His mother taught him to read the Bible and to go to services, but she died when Newton was only seven years of age. His father and stepmother did less to keep him on the straight and narrow, and he began to get in trouble many times. However, let me say this, parent, listen to me carefully. 
His mother's prayers and godly example to him bore fruit later in his life. For the word of God declares, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. As a young man, Newton fell hard for a young woman named Mary, and when he was 19, while traveling to see her, he fell victim to a press gang. A press gang. The press gang forced Newton to join the crew of a ship. He was shanghaied. Discipline was harsh. Food was bad and scarce. Newton's spirit was nearly broken. His mother's God seemed so far away and so uncaring. When he tried and failed to escape, the ship's captain had him stripped and flogged. Later, Newton was transferred to another ship, and he became involved himself in the brutal 18th century slave trade. What he was a part of was horrific, and it cost so many human lives. Newton became known for his wild behavior. He almost drowned after falling off a ship during a party, and he was known for openly mocking the faith. He seemed as far away from God as anybody could get, but God had other ideas. I just want to stop and say, Dad, Mom, don't stop praying. Brothers and sisters, uh, don't stop praying because this man seemed as far away from God as anybody could be, but God had other ideas. God loves to show mercy even to those who think they're beyond redemption. In 1748, Newton was on board a slave ship called the Greyhound. The ship was in bad shape, and there was a violent storm. It began to fall apart and take on water, and a crew member was swept overboard. All night long, Newton tried to keep the ship from going under, and he thought about the state of his life. He thought about where he was on the journey of life. He knew he had run from God, hurt other people, and made a wreck out of his own life. He knew that he had even mocked the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he realized that he was about to die in that storm, and would God still be forgiving even after he had rejected God? At last, Newton recalled what his mother had taught him from the Bible. God loves to show mercy even to people who feel they are beyond redemption. Newton asked for God's help for the first time in years. And guess what? He survived the storm. It didn't happen overnight. Some people try to tell you that that was where everything dramatically changed, but I'll tell you historically, it didn't happen overnight, but Newton's life began to be transformed. He learned to pray again. He made Christian friends who shared his faith and could help him on his journey. Everybody who's on the journey needs a good friend. Eventually, John Newton became the pastor of a small English church. He also became a writer, and one of the hymns that he penned under inspiration from God was Amazing Grace, and it's a description of his personal journey 
out of spiritual blindness and into to the light of God's grace. In his later years, Newton became the pastor of a larger church in London where he helped lead many people to the God he had once mocked. I don't know where you are on your journey. I'm not your judge, but I have to say this to you. Wherever you are on your journey, don't be contented to stay where you are. Don't be contented just to stay where you are in your journey. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, let's continue to let God shape us and make us and mold us. And It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect immediately or that tomorrow you will be so different from today. But it does mean that we begin to work on it. It's a journey, one step at a time. Lord, help me to do what you'd have me to do. Help me to be what you'd have me to be. Let me grow in the Lord. Don't let me be the same person today that I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Or don't let me be the same person next week that I was today. Let me grow in my walk with you. It's a journey, and I want to journey on with the Lord. One of these days, we're going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. Now I make you ruler over many. I believe that God's grace is upon your life. I believe that God has you in the palm of his hand. I believe that even the things that happen to us happen because God is showing us and teaching us and shaping us. Even the Lord Jesus as a human, the Bible said he learned by the things which he suffered. I know many times we'd like to do away with all the trials. I know I would. I'd rather just have all peaches and cream, everything going great, nobody irritating me. You know, everything going well. But you know what? God allows things to happen, and it's part of the journey. I was looking in the book of Daniel, just as not something that I actually have marked, so I may not be able to find it, but I'm going to look anyway. And I believe it would be in Daniel chapter 5. I'm going to share something with you that, I, that caught my attention as I was reading in Daniel. In Daniel chapter 5, remember the story how that Belshazzar took the vessels of God and brought them into a drunken party and, and God wrote with a hand upon the wall and pronounced his judgment. And I was noticing in this, in this chapter that the Bible says that God is the one who establishes and puts up into leadership and God takes down. Matter of fact, I'm going to read this. I found it. In Daniel 5.21, talking about his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with the grass like 
oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, listen, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. Better stop complaining about the government you don't like, the president that you may not care for, because I just got to read in this book that he puts over who he wills. I don't understand it, but I will tell you this. Some of the greatest miracles in the Bible took place when a non-believing person was on the throne. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's one case. Daniel, there's another case. Nehemiah, there's another case. Esther, that's another case. All these tremendous, miraculous things happened when if they had had their choice, somebody else would have been sitting on the throne. Now just kind of let that digest for a moment. Because God is in charge. So what I need to do is be thankful unto the Lord, speaking and singing hymns and praising God because my life is hid in Christ. And you know what I want to do? I just want to grow in the Lord. I just want to let this, this wonderful gospel change my life completely. I want God to have his way in my life. And it's a journey. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's my message for tonight. Why don't we lift our voices and our hands? Let's give God the praise. Thank you, Jesus, for this journey. Lord, I, I really want to draw closer to you. I, I want to be more like you, Lord, and not less like you. Oh, God, every day, Lord, I want to draw closer to you. Help us to make progress. Help us, oh, God, to allow the power of the Holy Ghost to, to change us completely. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Remember.